Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, September 15th, 2021. The most recent episode of Marvel What If dropped earlier today, the one that detailed what could have happened if Killmonger had rescued Tony Stark just as the events of the start of the very first Iron Man film were getting underway. What'd you think? Well, that Killmonger, he's a slippery snake now, isn't he? You just can't trust that guy. (laughs) This is very true. This is very true. It was nice to see the compare and contrast from what we know versus the what if. Mm -hmm. I think that's been a lot of the fun throughout this series. Once again, Mm -hmm. we get more voiceover work from Chadwick Boseman. But again, Marvel would not say anything about that because what do we do? We we betray him and we kill him in this episode. And that's that's not a bright ray of sunshine for our hero. I was going to bring that up, but I, I think once again you you figured it out. Obviously, last week's episode with, with Marvel zombies—you know—you don't want to play up that he he became the buffet, and this one where he gets taken out. Let's just focus on the one where what if T'Challa was Star Lord? That's kind of one. It was funny, and mm-hmm. uh, he made Thanos a, a lovable good guy. So yeah, we'll we'll remember. T'Challa more in that episode as opposed to these other what-ifs because, man, they just aren't treating our king very well. That said, though, I have to admit I was once again impressed by the vocal cast they assembled for this. I mean, obviously, you get Michael B. Jordan back as Killmonger and and John Favreau as Happy Hogan, though Happy isn't in it all that much. But then, you know, you get Angela Bassett as Queen Romanda, Dan Aguirre back as O'Keo. Andy Serkis back as Claus, Paul Bettany as Jarvis, even Don Cheadle as Rhodey, and John Kenny back as T'Chaka. He was in Winter Soldier, and then he did turn up in Black Panther after Black Panther took the herb and went back into the mystic realm, right? So the, the dad did come back. But mm-hmm. I enjoyed the moment in it, and I'm, and I'm kind of embarrassed that I didn't put this together, given that the Dore Milaje is Wakanda's fiercest warriors why i didn't put it together that queen romanda would be a general and actually in charge of the troops that's on me but again i just love that moment what do you think general and you know then suddenly she's out there leading the troops and it's like oh that's kind of cool i do hope we get to see a little bit more of that with uh black panther wakanda forever that's this week's what if and and remember this is this was episode six, I want to say. Yep. So we've got four left. Four more. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So hard to admit that I can't count, but I guess next week is not our hundredth episode. Is that what you're saying? Or that's what I'm saying because my mouth is full of cake. <laughs> Happy birthday to me! Happy birthday to me! I got cake in my mouth. How about you? Uh, I pay planned poorly. I have no cake. And that's the sad so, thing, as we told all of our wonderful listeners. To go ahead and go get their favorite cupcakes, and we're going to get candles and everything for next week. And here, uh, the parties this week, everyone's going to show up next week with cake, and uh, it's just going to be sad because uh, the party was the week before. So, uh, <sighs> sorry guys, uh, we uh, we blew uh, that one. hundred and one is 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 significant day two. You know, I mean, hell, if there were that many Dalmatians, we'd be celebrating. So bring the cake. We'll we'll oh, still great. Do well, then let's do it for the week after that for 102 Dalmatians, the sequel. And we'll just uh, uh, do uh, Marvelous Dalmatians will be the new uh, uh, mud. Good. 
Okay. Well, lots of real news to report. So I want to point out that the news portion of this week's Marvelous Disease brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. So we're now officially halfway through the month of uh, September, which, if you're operating in a theme park, means you should already be holding your Halloween event. Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom got its after-hours boo-bash going back on August 10th. Universal got its Halloween Horror Nights. That got it going September 3rd. West Coast version of Halloween Horror Nights, which is held at Universal Studios Hollywood, started on September 9th. And the Oogie Boogie Bash, which is held at Disney's California Adventure, got underway on the exact same day, Thursday, September 9th. And it's this seasonal event that I think Marvel fans would be most interested in because... If you're in DCA and you make your way to the Avengers campus and then wander into the ancient sanctum where they have Doctor Strange do several mysteries of the mystic art shows each day, during the Oogie Boogie Bash, this is where you find Agatha Harkness, the nosy neighbor from Marvel's WandaVision limited series. She's doing a meet and greet as part of this Halloween event. Mind you, it is a pandemic-era meet-and-greet. You're viewing the character from a distance. You have to keep moving to accommodate the other people in the line. So they're going to run up that, that whole neighbor theme by keeping her on the other side of a fence, and you can look and wave and point as she mows her lawn very loudly at 8 o'clock in the morning, you damn neighbor! <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't would that the case? Well, first of all, you got to praise the folks at Disney and their costuming department. They've got Agatha in her full-on witch costume from the final episode of this limited series. They've also hired a bunch of character lookalikes because, again, you need a number of folks to portray this character over the numerous nights that they'll be presenting the Oogie Boogie Bash. But they did a great job of casting. They have a, a lot of performers who are very on point with their Katherine Hahn impressions. And they set up sort of this temporary podium as if Agatha has pulled stone straight out of the ground and is now standing five and six feet tall over the crowds that are walking by and chats with them. Speaking of WandaVision and its costumes, I don't know if you saw Aaron just this past weekend. They tend to do the tech awards for the primetime Emmys uh, these days, uh, you know, a week or so ahead of time. And uh, WandaVision actually has done fairly well so far, at least on the tech side of things took home an Emmy for Outstanding Fantasy and Sci-Fi Costumes. Likewise, took home an Emmy for Outstanding Production Design for a Narrative Program. And then finally, they took home Outstanding Original Music and Lyrics. And that Emmy was given to Kristen Anderson Lopez and Bobby Lopez for the Ookie Kooky theme song they wrote for Catherine Ahan's character, the It Was Agatha All Along. So... Well, that's barely even fair. Why is that? Well, we were talking about it when uh, when WandaVision was airing, how they had used musical notes from one episode for, for one theme, mm -hmm. and then they would reuse that musical motif in a different song, and then they would build on that. And they kept using the same, I'd say, four or five notes over and over and over and over again. So by the time you got to Agatha all along, you were already primed and pumped for that theme because they had been almost subliminally feeding it to you for the last four or five weeks. 
And that's why when it hit, everybody was like, damn, that's my jam. I want to dance to it. I mean, they, they're, they've been feeding it to you this whole time. So those cats, they know, they know what they're doing when it comes to writing the mm-hmm. tunes. It's like the old, uh, what were the old guy, the old, was it, were they brothers from uh, the Disney days? Oh, the Sherman brothers. Are yeah, they're, they're, the, they're the new yeah. version of the Sherman brothers. It's mm-hmm. except they're husband and wife mm-hmm. instead of brother and brother. Well, okay. I, I, I hope that story ends better than the Sherman Brothers story. We, we, I we have won't no talk idea about how that ended. I'll be looking forward to it on a new Disney dish coming up soon. There we go. And again, these three technical awards so far really do bode well for WandaVision heading into uh, the actual primetime Emmys, which are going to be handed out this coming Sunday night, uh, September 19th. The fact that the WandaVision award the three that they took home, were the very first Emmys that Marvel Studios ever won. So they're really cruising into Sunday hoping that, you know, in addition to the tech stuff, they get the recognition for acting stuff. Speaking, though, of the limited series, what did you think of the Hawkeye teaser trailer that dropped earlier this week? It felt a lot like the setup for trains, planes, and automobiles, except with more bows and arrows, which is really what the John Candy and Steve Martin movie was really missing, in my opinion, was more bow and arrow action. That would have made it a true standout, legendary, top-tier comedic film. But no, it it looks funny. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing is, like, uh, I did not expect, A, Christmas to be the season. Yep. It's not often that we get a season, Jim. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's nice. I think Iron Man 3 was the last time we had a Christmas in the Marvel Universe. I know it was snowing at some point in the story. because they, they, they... Well, it, w- it was a, uh, uh, oh, Jesus, what was the director's name? Shane Black. Shane Black. He, he always likes, uh, if you watch his movies that he directs, mm-hmm. they're almost always set at Christmas time. I That's one of his that. little hallmarks there. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, it was it was very much a Christmas movie because that's that's his thing, mm-hmm. and he loves uh, a, a Christmas vibe, and mm-hmm. and uh, he liked working with uh, RDJ because they had known each other from something else. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so that that was where they got, got hooked up. I think it was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which was also a Christmas movie. So, Your Honor, I rest my case. There we go. <laughs> Well, but but the other thing I think is worth noting here is this isn't just a Christmas movie. This is a Christmas in New York movie. I mean, I was enjoying the fact that I don't know if they'll actually outright identify this as such, but there looked to be at least one action sequence where they they slid down a, a line into the Rockefeller Christmas tree or for that matter, continue the battle on the ice rink right there at 30 Rock. Right. I will tell you that my wife is usually nonplussed by Marvel things. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, the new Hawkeye trailer's out. And she went, meh. Mm-hmm. And I was like, come on, just take a peek at it. And she's like, ugh. She's monosyllabic with me. Meh and uh was all I got out of her for so far mm-hmm. in this conversation. And I started to play the trailer, and I, and I said, please stop rolling your eyes. It's hard to see the screen when your eyes are all the way in the back of your head like that. And then Haley Steinfeld came on the screen, and she went, oh, I didn't know she was in this. And I went, uh-huh. And she went, ah. Uh. And then the trailer got over with, and she went, fine, I'll watch it, because she's great and freaking everything. I'm going to go watch True Grit now. <laughs> <laughs> So, hey, Marvel, casting, cha-ching, you win. Good job, good job. So, yeah. But 
the fact that, just as a throwaway, that we get Rogers the musical? With- oh, yeah. Uh. I so want that. We had one of our uh, listeners reach out on Twitter who said that mm. uh, if that should be the Christmas episode and that it should have absolutely nothing to do with Hawkeye, just Rogers the musical for half an hour, uh, you know, from beginning credits to end credits and done. And I could not agree more. That would be a wonderful Christmas present of just like a uh, Hamilton-esque Rogers the Musical. Rogers the Musical is supposedly being presented in the Lundfontaine, which was where Beauty and the Beast, after it left the Palace Theater, after several year run, it, it, it finished its run at the Lundfontaine. And that's, you know, faces right on the Times Square. So it's, it's just the notion of they pick the theater that's right on Times Square. This is such a New York set in the holiday story mm. that I just I can't wait to see how this plays out. And I have to admit, I like this right from the catchphrase. Uh, this holiday season, the best gifts come with a bow. But you have to hand it to Marvel Studios. If you, if you look at WandaVision, you look at Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, and now uh, Hawkeye. They've all had consistently high production volumes. They've had strong casts. You were just mentioning how smart it was to hire Ms. Steinfeld for her role in, in Hawkeye. Basically, you see every dollar that Marvel's put into these things up on the screen. But for me, what's fascinating about the limited series to date is they all have very different styles and tones. They all mm-hmm. seem to be their own unique animal. And I think, as you pointed out, Hawkeye, at least from this initial trailer looks to be kind of a light holiday romp. Yeah, like a a buddy road trip comedy. You know, uh, Hawkeye's got to hurry up and get home. Otherwise, he'll disappoint his family. Meanwhile, the thing where he's on the phone with his wife and he says, hold on. And then he busts out a window so he can catch the Molotov cocktail and then throw it back out. It's like (laughs) Bond wishes he were that freaking slick, right? Uh, That's such a great moment. And for me, the cherry on the Sunday is to have this entire trailer with the, the music bed being it's the most wonderful time of the year. They're from the Andy Williams Christmas album, which released back in October of 63, in which my mom played every holiday season. She still does. It's, just, it's no longer the LP, which long since wore out. It's now the CD. But I got to say, if this is how 2021 is going to end out, I'll take it, you know, particularly after the last year and a half to have a fun Hawkeye film, which I wouldn't have taken that bet. Remember how we met up with Hawkeye, you know, in, in Endgame. In fact, the, the trailer alludes to that, you know, him as Ronan, right? Or- yeah, well, I mean, first off, he's he's able to do comedy really, really well. I mean, if you've ever seen some of the other movies that he's oh, done yeah. where it's a more comedic role, mm-hmm. the dude's got the chops. So mm-hmm. let's lean into it and, and make it fun, right? Mm-hmm. I mean... Marvel's never shied away from having a, a silly ha-ha moment during a time of crisis. Mm-hmm. So fill it with humor. Let Jeremy Renner go crazy. Uh, it looks like he's the mentor in this version, right? So mm-hmm. he's going to be passing along his wisdom, which means he gets to be a little bit more smart-assy than normal. The one thing that I noticed was as soon as the trailer came out, mm-hmm. there were a lot of people on Twitter started trending Florence Pugh. I'm like, well, why? Why would Florence be trending? She hasn't been anything recently, mm-hmm. <laughs> including the trailer. And that's exactly why she was trending on Twitter. Everyone's like, hey, at the end of Black Widow, weren't we promised that she was going to be the nemesis here for uh, Hawkeye? So, Jim, what do you think? Are, are we still in teaser territory? Should we have gotten a hint of Florence? Do you think she's involved at all? What's up? 
there is a genuine art to cutting a teaser trailer. I mean, they give you the flavor, they give you a hint of the shape of the story. It's only later that you get the truly dense trailer that drops as many story points. That's the one that's supposed to truly hook you in. That's the one. So I, I would imagine they're holding Florence or footage of Florence in reserve for the really for real trailer that will undoubtedly drop probably October. Well, the, the reality of the situation is we haven't known what the hell has been going on with any of these series until we get halfway through the darn thing, sometimes mm-hmm. to the last episode or two before we really figure out what's been going on the whole time. They're really good at keeping stuff hidden and revealing in their own sweet time and misdirection. I point left and then you look over that way and I do something over on the right. Marvel's so great at that. Okay, well, speaking of not knowing what you're talking about, on the last show... (laughs) That's a transition for the ages for this show. Go ahead. Okay, well, now remember, on the last show, we were talking about Morris, the magical creature that Trevor Slattery, the Ben Kingsley character in Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings, it's this magical creature that doesn't have a face, but has wings and six legs. And I actually said definitively to the effect, well, I can't ever see Disney merchandising something like that. So it was with no small pleasure that Nancy sent me the link from Shop Disney just the other day, what they call a Morris feature plush. Inspired by Marvel Studios' Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, this Morris feature plush, made by Mattel, brings Trevor Slattery's adorable sidekick to life. You push a button on Morris's front leg, he's got six of them, by the way, to see his wings move. This creature, which comes straight from the magical forest at the borders of the village of Talo, is made from super soft premium fabrics, so fans of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings can get up close with this very huggable version of Morris. This plush Marvel collectible from Mattel stands nine inches tall and retails for $39.99. And they make a point of including, special reminder, Morris has no face in a true-to-movie look and requires three <laughs> <laughs> he also requires three AA batteries to make his wings move. Appropriate for ages three and up. Yeah, well, they save a fortune because you don't have to embroider or stitch any silly eyeballs, nose, and mouth on the darn thing. I could be selling a bag of my hair <laughs> with wings glued to it and six Barbie doll legs taped to the bottom for $30 for all I know so far. Okay. <laughs> but but I, I'm intrigued by the ages three and up. So does that mean if you give a Morris plush to someone three and under, they'll then require therapy for life? You know, they're going to wake up screaming. It's like, it had no face, mommy. It had no face. Yeah, I don't know if I, I would have to see the movie, right? I can't, I can't make the judgment call on a Morris until I've seen a Morris with my very own eyes and go. how Morris doesn't have eyes. You gotta love the fact that you pull out your soapbox, you stand up. I can't see them ever making a, a plush of this. And to have your own beloved, your, your own significant other, with great skill, kick the box right out from under you. And I have to tell you also, I'm thinking about buying this. I mean, we're two what? people... Who- Wait a minute, Jim Hill, buy a plush? I've never heard of such a crazy thing. That's the thing. We, we are two 60-year-olds with way too much plush in the house. You know, In fact, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm looking now that... We have the cat from Luca. We have actually two versions of the cat from Soul, the, the Soul cat and, and then the, the therapy cat. 
So I guess if you squint, Morris could be considered. Morris, it's the name of a cat. You know, Morris the cat. So, all right, we're in. I just want to know how you have a meaningful moment when you can't make eye contact. I mean, where do you look at the thing, right? <laughs> you haven't been to all that many Hill family dinners. <laughs> so, yes, Morris really does look like a turkey that it's been exposed to gamma rays. And speaking of turkeys, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, certainly not a turkey, at least at the box office. But due to something that Samu Lee said, it's going to have some trouble making much more than it's made to date at the international box office. And Aaron and I will explain why on the second half of today's show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Were you paying attention to how Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings did over its second weekend or police, or? I saw that it did well, and I was very happy that it's got legs, so to speak. It's great that it's it's more than just a, a flash in the pan, one hit, one weekend, and, it, and it's going to go a, a bit more distance. Well, yeah, yeah. For me, I was kind of surprised to see how many theaters it was actually in here in North America. 4,300 theaters. It certainly did well at the box office, second weekend release. It was 35.8 million in ticket sales. Significantly better than Malignant, I believe, is the second place film, which only did 5.5 million or or thereabouts. And Malignant was not worth that. We watched it and we were like, oh, that was a crap movie. (laughs) So if you have a choice, go go see Shang-Chi because it's got to be better than Malignant was. How many months did we talk about X-Men, the new mutants that way? So that was because it it didn't come out forever and ever and ever like Mm -hmm. malignant was just, it it was like very eighties in, uh, in premise and execution where I was like, Oh wow. You just put a a rubber mask on someone backwards and called it a day. Damn. That's genius, bro. What'd that movie cost? Seven 95. I've had a big gulp cost more than that movie. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, we're off track from Marvel. No, no, that's that's, that's okay. That this is why people listen to the show. So, Shang Chi's stateside box off to date is 145.6 million, uh, which you'd think would make the folks 
at Disney and Marvel happy. But if we pivot just a few years back to the billion-dollar box office that Avengers Affinity Wars and Avengers Endgame did in 2018 and 2019, respectively, a lot of that money came in from overseas, with filmgoers in China contributing a large chunk of change to both of those films' international box office totals. And I understand that Endgame and Infinity Wars were effectively the end of Phase 3 and years' worth of movies to get to this point. So, you know, you're comparing it, it, apples to space shuttles is what you're doing. There you're, we go. But okay. one of the reasons those movies made as much money as it is because the Chinese government, which is incredibly restrictive when it comes to movies from the West that will allow to be shown in theaters, in-country, uh, agreed to allow Infinity Wars and Endgame to be released uh, in that country. And as of this moment, it's looking really unlikely that Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings will be granted the same privilege that, that the Chinese Wait government Wait a minute. Will... No. No. Surely you're joking. Well, no, wait a minute. Let's back up a second. Wasn't yeah. like Iron Man three partially shot in Shanghai or something like? Didn't it they was. Get, it they was. they cooperated. They cooperated, Jim. They cooperated with the Chinese government to get mm -hmm. in there and shoot some footage, and so that way it could be shown in the Chinese market. So you're it, telling me that having a fully Asian character with all of the the, the animals with no faces. And flying flaming birds that are supposed to be like that, mm -hmm. that doesn't get you open gates into the Chinese movie markets? What the hell? Well, it's not so much Shang-Chi the character or that, you know, you have your first Asian lead in a Marvel film. It's what Samuel Liu is on record of having said. No, wait a minute. You, I'm sorry. You must have misspoke. Surely you meant Bob Chapek because he's mm -hmm. the one that has foot and mouth disease. Well, no, no, no. The, the Chinese social media recently has been aflame because of some comments that Samu made during a 2017 interview with the Canadian Broadcast Company. At that time, Liu recalled that his parents told him about communist China. They described China as being this third world country where people were dying of starvation. Oh, even I know better than that. Well, but this is the you got to remember. This was 2017. That this was even before he did his tweet. You know, hey Marvel. You know, I know you're about to make the Shang Li you know, Shang Chi movie. Let's talk. I don't know if you've been following the news about the story coming out of the most recent Bob Woodward book, Peril, of about the final days of the Trump presidency, where Mark Milley, the the president. Uh, President Trump's good right arm militarily, who actually reached out to his equivalent in the Chinese government to reassure him that nothing untoward would happen because the, the, the tensions were so high between the two companies or the two countries because of COVID and what had just happened, the election, you know, they just wanted to reassure him that, no, we won't be nuking you anytime soon. So it's just, it's one of these things where you have this, this very tense period between the United States and China, and it is affecting the, the companies that do business with both countries. And what's particularly frustrating to Disney is they thought, well, Shang-Chi's going to get in there, because that, and that'll be great, because it was looking less and less likely that the Eternals would be able, which again, isn't being released at the theaters till November 5th of this year, 
But it was looking like they were going to have trouble getting that one placed in China. And that was because Chloe Zhao, the director of this upcoming Marvel Studios release, had actually been born in China. And years previous, she made some pretty cutting comments about that country's government, which resurfaced last year when Zhao was out on the festival circuit doing promotion for her eventually Academy Award winning film Nomadland. And these are literally years ago comments. Right. I would hope that China, like, at, at some point learns about this weird American word called synergy that the corporations made up where it meant two different things that do something that help each other out. And it's like, if you play the movie for Shang-Chi, then you put an actor in the suit in the park. Mm-hmm. And then the people will come to the park. And you like money, right? Everybody likes money. Mm-hmm. If there's one thing that we can all agree on, no matter how much we hate everything else in the world, everybody loves money. Mm-hmm. So just do it for the money. See, the, the problem is right now, if you've been paying attention to China at all over the last month or two, between the the announcement coming down from on high that they're going to start restricting the amount of gaming time that kids can play. and that Oh, I saw that. And that was brutal. Like, I, if I were a kid in that country at this day and age, I would just be like, where is the nearest border crossing? Yeah, yeah. And... Also, I, I want to say they recently handed down another edict to the folks who produce movies and television in China to the effect of they leaned heavily into don't show effeminate men. We don't want to see sissy men. And it's just sort of like, okay. Now, I've got a really weird question about this because is it either China or Japan that does not believe in ghosts and will not allow ghosts in their media? I want to say it's China. Okay, you have any idea how they handle the spirit form of uh, the Ancient One from Doctor Strange once her character gets killed off? I want to say in the original Doctor Strange, there is a scene at the hospital after she has passed. Where, but, but again, she's glowing, she's talking, and again, you know, the, the, it's magic. Well, uh, yeah, the astral plane, that's mm-hmm. a fancy word for, you know, spirit out of body. So I'm sure as long as they go, no, oh, no, 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 astral plane, that's fair play. We can just call it astral plane and, and leave it at that, guys. And, okay. and then they're covered for that moment. So it just it makes me wonder, like, if, if uh, Marvel has to consider, like, what they can and cannot write based on, you know, because you do have to consider the, the sensibilities of other markets. At oh, no, some no, no, point. no, absolutely. Absolutely. And in fact... Benedict Cumberbatch is out doing press right now for The Courier and the, the Power of the Dog. And, of course, Tom Holland has recently been out there uh, talking about Spider-Man uh, No Way Home, saying, you know, it, it is the most ambitious superhero film that's ever been made. And Benedict Cumberbatch sort of confirmed this, you know, to the effect of, he, you know, he got the script and he was reading, you know, was it what was on the page and just, you know, how the hell are they going to do that? And this is a guy, again, who was in Doctor Strange where, where cities would split upon themselves and they'd be running up the side of buildings. And it's like there was stuff in the script that confused him. Yeah, because it said uh, Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield in, in a couple of those lines. And they're like, what the hell? How are you going to get these guys? Aren't they dead? Are you going to resurrect them? Is this a Marvel Zombies thing? What's there, going on? There you go. So, But Cumberbatch did go on to say that, yes. Wait a minute. Hold on. I'm going to predict. I'm going to predict because I, I sense I, I have the keen spidey senses when it comes to well, the propaganda department. Mm-hmm. So uh, Benedict is going to say something like, Oh, yes, it is the most 
magical, wonderful, crazy, wild film experience of superhero genre ever to happen. Until, that is, <clears throat> my film, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, comes out into theaters, insert date here, and makes all the money in the world, right? And then that will be the most fantastic thing ever made. I'm going to have you start buying my lottery tickets. That basically nails exactly what he said. Right. Now, speaking of, of uh, how the hell are they going to do that, Tim Roth recently did an interview with uh, the folks at The Direct and was talking about his return to the MCU, which will come about officially with the She-Hulk limited series that Marvel Studios is prepping for Disney. And he talked about uh, it had been 13 years since he'd last played Emil Blonsky, The Abomination, and The Incredible Hulk back in 2008. And he took the job back then just because I thought my kids would be embarrassed by it. <laughs> you know, I did it for them, and I really enjoyed making it. So when Marvel Studios came to me and said, we're adapting the She-Hulk for Disney+, Plus, would you come back as that character again? I said, sure, it, it should be fun. But he then went on to say, I was surprised when I got to the She-Hulk set and found that it was initially difficult for me to play Emile the Abomination again. I couldn't get a handle at first on how to portray this character correctly for this new limited series. It was only after Mark Ruffalo came in to shoot his stuff of reprising the role of Bruce Banner that I went, oh, that's how you do it, with a sense of humor. And that was when they were doing the uh, New York scene where they go, hey, do it like the old Hulk did it. And then Mark goes, rawr, smash, like with no enthusiasm whatsoever. He just kind of BS'd his way through that scene. And everyone went, oh, I guess that's kind of what we wanted, right? And then is, was that the scene that, that he was taking from his, his abomination? Going to go, fooey. I don't know. But actually, what I'm more intrigued by is the way he's talking here. The very first time he did... Emil Blonsky, The Abomination, was for She-Hulk. But as anyone who would tell you, who's seen Shang-Chi, The Abomination is in this movie. And that there's a wonderful little scene where, you know, they're at the fight club and Wong and, and the, you know, Abomination are fighting. And somebody at this point sees this interview and reaches out to Jonathan Schwartz, the producer of Shang-Chi, and, and flat asks him. So Tim Roth actually did the voice of the abomination in the movie and he says that tim roth did record some vocalizations for us he was definitely part of the process of producing this marvel studios film what i am hearing aaron is that roth was actually on the set of she hulk and somebody came in the the on the set one day and said oh 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 i forgot to tell you the abomination is in shang chi and do you have like five minutes <laughs> you know can can you record a few lines that we can drop into the movie but to give you some idea of how tight this was she-Hulk was only in active production at Marvel Studios from April of this year through August. So they grabbed the audio with Tim during that window of time and then pushed it into the film. And think about it. If Shang-Chi had come out on its original release date, they wouldn't be able to do that. Roth wasn't in the neighborhood. They couldn't jump in and have him record these lines. So... 
Now, I'm sure that there that would be the day that there'd be a knock on the door. He opens it up. It's FedEx with package, sir. He opens it up, and it's a USB microphone and a laptop. <laughs> and they're like, what's this for? I wonder. Huh? A little note. And plug it in, stupid. Oh, okay. I'll go plug it in. Opens it up. And Feige's on the other end already on FaceTime, just tapping his fingers. Oh, Jesus, I've been waiting here for the last half hour. About time. Here, just will you read these two sentences for me? We got a movie. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now, speaking of movies... Another thing that got announced just in this past week is two new Marvel movies. We don't know what they are. They're untitled Marvel projects that got slotted for 2024. Captain America 4 and Fantastic Four. That's my guess. Okay. And again, remember, this is the man who I want to buy lottery tickets for me. So it could be right. But going forward from 2022, 2023, 2024... We have 15 Marvel movies scheduled for release now through now and the end of 2024. It's not quite double what we have as far as MCU content, but geez, that's a, that's a healthy scoop. Okay, and, but remember, this is just the theatrical stuff. If we pivot to the limited series that we've seen on Disney+, Plus, we, we got... WandaVision starting in January. We got Falcon of the Winter Soldier late winter, early spring. We got Loki over the summer, and we're now getting Hawkeye. So going forward, if this pattern holds, we're going to have four theatrical releases from Marvel Studios, coupled with four limited series per year over at Disney+. Plus. Not to mention that on the heels of the success of Marvel What If?, they're already talking about making additional animated projects. And Aaron, let me ask you, as well as ask our listeners, since no tree grows to the sky, how much of Marvel is too much Marvel? Oh, it's, uh, you know, I was almost thinking about this very question today. I say almost because it was just phrased differently. Mm-hmm. And what I was thinking was... Uh, again, because uh, we've got time with uh, Kevin Feige, because he joins us for every chat. <laughs> Let me get a, a log on the fire here so we can get cozied up here. Okay. <clears throat> Personal chat time with Kevin Feige. Uh, Kevin, all right, so here's the idea. This is my new thought for you. Uh, the idea of seasons, it's so 1900s. Uh, you just need to make that never stop. That's it. All right. I hope you've enjoyed our fireside chat with Kevin Feige. What I'm trying to say is just keep it rolling. Just keep it rolling forever and ever. Like a soap opera, shoot every day and uh, churn that stuff out. It's just been so good. I want more of it. That does impact my thought on this. And, you know, if there were had been an obvious misstep or a step off in quality, but that's just not the case. I mean, it, again, to br- bring things full circle to what we were talking about earlier this morning, that vocal cast that got assembled for if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark. Yeah, but we didn't have Robert Downey Jr. And uh, I don't think we had Jeff Bridges. And, I mean, there's a not. few key mm-hmm. members that weren't there. So, I mean, it's it, that's no big deal. I, c- I could care less about who was on or off the mm-hmm. voice cast. It was nice to have the originals, but, you mm-hmm. know, the replacements would, did a serviceable job and good for them for showing up and doing the thing. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that WandaVision is a one-time deal because even if we get a Wanda and or a vision storyline season two somehow mm-hmm. it's not going to be the tv episode format because they already did that 
um, we're not going to get another Falcon in the Winter Soldier because, A, Falcon's now Captain America. And these things are going to evolve and change. So I don't expect WandaVision Season 2. I don't expect Falcon in the Winter Soldier Season 2. I don't even expect a Hawkeye Season 2. Mm-hmm. No matter what it does, I just don't expect that. What I expect is them to keep it fluid. Mm-hmm. So if they want to, say, do Hawkeye and Captain America Season 1 to be next, mm-hmm. then that's what they do. And they use their spices like a good chef, spontaneously but within reason, and making you know the best dish they can based on the resources they have at hand. Can I use that actor? Great. I'm going to write him in. And, then I'm gonna, and, and it doesn't matter if they've been teamed up before or not. Mm-hmm. Because the Marvel Universe is so large and these characters don't just stick with a certain pairing like they're freaking Batman and Robin joined at the hip for all of eternity. Spider-Man hooked up with uh, the Human Torch all the time. Mm -hmm. He hooked up with Wolverine all the time. He uh, fought Hulk a couple of times. He hooked up with uh, the Fantastic Four a number of times. I mean, the team members are always moving. So seasons are stupid. Don't even think about them. Just keep churning out content at a regular rate and let it evolve over time to be whatever you need to tell the story. Otherwise, you're stuck. Like, if it's if it's Will and Grace for 10 seasons, eventually mm-hmm. Will and Grace, I loved them. Mm-hmm. But after 10 seasons, I was I was done with them. Mm-hmm. And it was great after so many years that they came back for a little bit because it was nice to reunite with old friends. But what if you just had so many darn friends and they all just kept throwing different parties and you got different combinations of all your friends from time to time where, you know, maybe Will didn't show up, maybe Grace didn't show up, maybe Jack didn't show up, but you still had a great time with Karen, damn it. That's an interesting analogy. Okay. All right. Bears watching. And, and it's interesting you bring up the no seasons idea because that that's we are literally a week out from the terrestrial television season. The NBC, the ABC, the CBSs of the world putting their new season out the door. And I don't really watch terrestrial television anymore. In fact, when we wrap up here, my treat for having worked on this show and getting it done and out the door is I'm going to sit down and watch the most recent episode of Only Murders in This Building, the uh, Steve Martin, uh, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez thing that's been running on Hulu and is wonderful. And just recently, Hulu announced that they're bringing it back for a second season because it did the very best numbers that a, a comedy series has ever done on Hulu. You just like it because Steve Martin's doing a podcast. I, I have to admit there is a, <laughs> a certain, you know, in fact, it's been you fun. Know what? I'm the Martin Short character, I just realized, because I'm <laughs> about the acoustics in the closet. <laughs> Son of a gun. Well, okay. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's show. Uh, okay, folks, just to remind you, we do have some other podcasts here. At the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network, we do have Disney Dish with Len Testa, The Mothership, likewise, uh, Fine Tuning uh, with Drew Taylor. Uh, you know, we've got, got some fun shows coming up there for animation news. We have Universal Joint. In fact, uh, Dustin just reached out this week, so we got to get a, a new one of those out the door. But until those shows are there, if you're looking for additional entertainment, you can't miss following Aaron on social media. How can folks find you on social media? Oh, jump on the old Twitter machine and type in Aza Prod, and lo and behold, there shall I be saying inane stuff. 
as for social media for us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Jim Hill Media. And over on Facebook, it's Jim Hill Media News. It would be great if you folks would head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend the show you're listening to right now, Marvelous Disney. Uh, if you really, really like what you've heard, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be killer as well. And I guess for now, that will do it for, really, this is our 100th episode. Yep, and I had cake. Nobody else did. It's weird. I feel like a, a very bad host right now. Like, everyone came to the party, and I'm sitting here just eating pizza, and everyone's <laughs> hungry. And their tummy's growling, and I'm just mouthful, like, oh, yeah, so what'd you do today? I've been here eating pizza for the party. I mean, you should have some. What, you can't? Oh, okay, sorry. Why is your tummy growling? This pizza's delicious, by the way. <laughs> well. Enjoy the party, folks. Come again next time. What do you mean you'll never talk to me again? Why is everyone unfollowing me on Twitter? What the hell happened? Uh, <laughs> on that note, thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back soon.